Uh, yeah, as we've just said, today we're going to be finishing off um, or penultimately week of looking at the promises of God. Has everyone enjoyed this series so far? Found it helpful? I think it's been absolutely brilliant and you know, I've learned lots myself personally. And, and today I'm going to be carrying on with that theme and looking at one more promise of God. Uh, but before I jump into that, for those of you that know me quite well, you'll know that I like my technology And I'm a little bit sad like this, but what I like to do when I get a new product, one of the things I like to do is get out and read the manual. Is anybody else like that out there? So when I got my car, first thing I did, went to the glove box, got out the manual, oh yeah, and had a read through. Because for me, there might be something in here, there might be a feature that I don't know about, there could be a button that I wasn't even aware of, a hidden compartment, I love it. And part of my frustration these days is when you get a new product, so if you get, especially with Apple products, when you get like a new iPhone, they don't come with a manual anymore. You're supposed to just know how to use it. Some people are saying, yeah, that's good. Uh, But the, the reason why I'm going down this tangent is when we're born, we're not given a manual. But we are given something by God. We're given the Bible. And I believe that it can be a guide. It can be a manual for our lives. And the thing is, if we're unaware where it says, if we're unaware of the promises of God that are in there, we could be missing out on those things that we're entitled to. They're there. They're available to us. But if we're not accessing them, if we're not receiving of them, we can be missing out. So this morning, I'm going to be looking at the promise of peace. And to to open this up, I've got uh, just uh, a few lines from the book of John. And this is Jesus talking here. And this is what Jesus promises regarding peace. He says, I am leaving you with a gift. Say amen. Everyone likes a good gift. It's peace of mind and heart. And the peace that I give is a gift that the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. What an incredible promise we have there. And Jesus says the promise of peace that he gives, it's different from what the world offers. And I thought to begin with, it would be really helpful for us to frame what peace is. So when we say the word peace, what is it that we are describing? Because it's really easy to think, well, actually, peace is what I feel after spending a day in a spa. So I enjoy a good spa. Yeah, I've, Beck's taken me to a few spa days, and I must admit, I do love them. You could think that peace, it's when the kids have gone to bed, and it's all gone quiet. You could be thinking peace is when the house is clean, and there's nothing left to do. It could be a Friday evening when you're sat in front of the TV with your favorite program or your favorite movie. But those there, they're not really peace. What they are, they're examples of calm. And there's a big difference there. And what I want to do is just give you the the biblical, almost meaning of that word, peace. Now, just to complicate things, there are two words, one in the Old Testament and one in the New Testament. So to begin with, I'm going to look at the one in the New Testament. And it uses a word called Irene. So not Eileen, Irene. Slight subtle difference. And it means harmony, tranquility, safety, welfare health and quite often there's a big emphasis on the lack of strife or a reconciliation within a relationship. So what I want to do with the time that we've got today is unpack what this gift of peace looks like and how we can sustain it in our lives. 
So if I was to ask you to be honest with yourselves this morning, and if you were to kind of think about a scale of 1 to 10, and at one end of the scale you've got 10 that would be perfect peace, but then at the other end of the scale you might have stress, you might have anxiety, you might have worry. If you had to be honest with yourself today, where would you put yourself on that scale from 1 to 10, 10 being perfect peace? Just think about that for you. How are you feeling in this moment right now? Where would you put your level of peace today? And in preparation for this message, I I read a few different studies, and and one particularly was really interesting, and it was the effects that the pandemic has had on people's stress levels. And basically, what it tracked was as different restrictions were put in place, as different lockdown measures were put in place, people's stress levels would shoot up which is kind of logical when you think about it, because all of a sudden, many of the different coping mechanisms, many of the different things that we rely on to give us that sense of calm, that sense of peace, all of a sudden were removed. So if you think about it, you know, you couldn't go to the pub anymore. You couldn't go and meet up with friends like you maybe once was able to. You couldn't go out to the cinema, watch a movie. And the last one, it hit me really hard. When the takeaways closed, I tell you what, that is etched in my mind forever. When you could no longer get a Chinese, it's like... <sighs> but Jesus says, the peace that I give you is a peace the world cannot give. And actually what we want in our lives, we want a consistent level of peace. No matter what we go through, we want to ensure that we're still receiving of that peace. And I've been reading a a daily devotional, and it's called The Practice of Being with Jesus. And the author is a, a guy called Chris Cruz. And at the beginning and the end of every daily devotional, it starts and ends by, there's a line, and I'll read it out. It says this, by sitting in silence and being present to Jesus and yourself for two minutes. It sounds so simple. Oh, my word. Is it not simple? (laughs) It can be the hardest thing to do, to literally just sit there and keep my mind focused and trying to stop it from wandering. And for me, it's a really good indicator to how I'm doing in myself, in in how long I can sit quietly before that to-do list starts coming to mind or I start thinking on something else. And if I'm being completely honest in in preparation for this message today, it's not something that I would say I naturally gravitate towards, this gift of peace. And the reason for that is... In the past, I've done different personality tests and strength finder type tests. And what they've identified is that I'm wired for productivity and activity. It's just the way that I'm wired. It's just the way that I am a little bit. So if I've got any spare time at all, I want to fill it with doing something productive. I want to be doing something. So the thought of sitting silent, just being present to my own feelings, being present to what God is doing can be really, really difficult for me. And I can sometimes be like, that's a bit of a waste of time. I could be doing something. I could be doing something. But that is not the case at all. And Beck reminded me when I said this, she said, actually, being silent is being productive. That is doing something. I was like, oh. So, whereas Beck's got this nailed down already, I've come to learn the importance of peace the hard way. And I wouldn't recommend doing it the way that I've done it. Because... 
there have been, when I look back throughout my life, there have been a couple of occasions where I've, I've completely burnt out, where I've run myself so ragged that I've burnt out. And one particular example was when I was in my early 20s. I happened to be working in full-time ministry. I was involved in my church. I was doing a lot at home. And I, I just stretched myself too thin. I committed to too many things. And I ended up burning out. And it was burning out physically. So I was exhausted physically. I'd given all I could give. Emotionally, I was drained as I'd, I'd just given out. And then spiritually as well, you know, I've been giving out and serving, which is great and good, but I wasn't putting anything back in. And as I say, over the years, it's something that I've struggled with to the point of where, you know, anxiety has affected me. And again, it's affected me mentally and it's, it's affected me physically. So I've learned the hard way of the importance of having peace within our lives. And the truth is, the antidote to stress is peace. The antidote to anxiety is peace. The antidote to worry is peace. Peace, peace, peace. And actually, it is God's heart that each of us would receive this peace from him. We see it's one of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It is the very nature and the very character of God himself. It is impossible to separate the two. And it absolutely crushes God's heart when he sees us stressed out. When he sees us having feelings of of anxiety and worry, it breaks his heart because he's given us a solution. He's given us a promise of peace. He's given us something to combat it. But when we don't access it, it's like having the manual and, and saying, well, I don't know how to use it. I've not accessed it. I've not, I've not brought it and received it into my life. So I've entitled my message today simply, Perfect Peace. And I've got a scripture that we're going to focus on and, and base everything on this morning. It's from Isaiah 26.3, and it says this, You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. And my first point this morning is experiencing perfect peace because it's something to be experienced. And as we saw in Isaiah 26.3, it says, first of all, you will keep in perfect peace. And what's interesting there, it says that it's not you'll experience it occasionally, just when you need it. It says you will keep in perfect peace. It's not something temporary. It's not a one-day spa experience and go back home and get stressed out again. It is a constant keeping of being in peace. And because this is out of the book of Isaiah and because it's in the New Testament, it's, uh, sorry, the Old Testament, it's using a slightly different word for this word, peace. And it's using a word that you may have heard of before, shalom or shalom. And in order to understand this word, we have to reflect on the many different facets that it has. So shalom, it's one of the key images in the Bible for, the, for, the, for salvation. And it refers most commonly to a person being uninjured, being safe, being whole, and being sound. So let me explain a little bit more about what I mean by that. So the the Tyndale Tyndale Dictionary says, it's total well-being, prosperity, and security associated with God's presence. And Shalom experienced, it is multidimensional. So we, we can receive it and experience it in more than one way. 
So we can experience it physically within our bodies. We can experience it mentally within our minds. We can experience it socially in the way that we interact with those around us and the the, the wider world around us. But then we can also experience it spiritually as well. And shalom, it's not just the absence of conflict and war, but it's also this notion of being of a positive blessing. So whereas if you say, okay, I receive peace, I have feelings of tranquility, it's almost at one stage. Receiving shalom is going a step further. There's, there's a blessing, there's something more there that we are entitled to. And shalom, it flows through all of our relationships. So it flows through our relationship with God, first and foremost. It flows through the relationship that we have with ourselves, because believe it or not, we have a relationship with ourselves. And then it, sh- it flows with those around us. And for some of you, this may be sounding familiar because a few weeks ago, Tim did a brilliant message on oneness and talked about the importance of these three relationships and how they are important within our lives. So first of all, shalom with God. Most fundamentally, shalom means reconciliation with God. It's about the relationship of ourselves and God being restored. It's about that right standing with God. And when we receive shalom from God, when we receive that into our lives, a connection is made. And all of a sudden, peace is able to flow from God to us. And the great thing about this shalom, this peace that is available, is that it is open to everyone. It's available to all of us. You've all got the manual. You can all access this. And actually, out of three relationships, I think this is the easiest one to resolve. Because half of the work's already been done. You see, Jesus has already died on the cross. He's already paid the price. He's already died in our place. And we are entitled then to enter into this relationship. And for some of you, you might even be sitting here or watching online where you've never invited Jesus into your life. You've never come to God and said, you know what, God, I recognize I've done things wrong in my life. But Jesus, would you forgive me for the sins, for the wrongdoing that I've done in my life? And the amazing thing is when you pray that prayer, when you say that within your heart, all of a sudden that connection is made. That relationship is restored between you and the Father once again. So before I even go any further this morning, I want to give you that opportunity that if you've never responded, if you've never invited Jesus into your life, that you can do that right now, in this moment. So for all of us, let's just close our eyes. And if you want to do that, just pray this simple prayer after me in your hearts. Jesus, I want to thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you that you died for all of my sin and wrongdoing. Jesus, I choose to follow you today. Would you forgive me of the sin in my life? Amen. If you've prayed that prayer this morning, if you've prayed that prayer, something has just changed. That connection between you and God the Father has been made. So shalom with God, first and foremost. Second of all, shalom within. So what does it actually tangibly look like to have peace in our own lives? And I've only got one scripture for this. I had loads to begin with, but I've edited it down. And this, for me, this was the standout one. And again, it's out of the book of Isaiah, chapter 32, verse 17. And it says this, 
the fruit of that righteousness. The fruit of being in that right relationship with God today will be peace. Check in the box. We've got that. Okay, Rob? Good with God. I have peace. What's the next thing? It's effect. This is the tangible. This is the good stuff. This is what's going to happen in your life. It's effect will be quietness and confidence forever. Quietness and confidence. I might be sitting there thinking, well, I don't want to be quiet. Why do I want to be quiet? What it's talking about there is when, when we face difficulties in our lives, when we face those storms, when we face those situations that are difficult, we can have a quiet confidence. It's not that we go into situations being arrogant and, oh, I can do this on my own. It's going in it with a quiet confidence, trusting God, trusting in him, trusting in his character and who he is. And that's where we get this phrase, quiet confidence. And there's one thing to take away today. It's just knowing how to respond when our peace is under attack. See, because when the storms of life get thrown at us, it can sometimes cause... When things come along that we're not expecting, it can cause us to kind of, I wasn't expecting this, what am I going to do? And we can flap sometimes. But what this is saying is when we have shalom in our lives, when we have peace, we can have a quiet confidence. And we're told that we'll experience it forever. Nothing that can be thrown at us can shake that. And finally, shalom with others. And it it, it just means peace with others, peace with other parties, a lack of hostility is a lack of war. And Jesus, he said, love your neighbor as yourself, but also love your enemies. It's there. Jesus teaches it. And even in the Lord's Prayer, we pray, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. It's there, that relationship. First, we're forgiven. We come into right standing with God, and then we forgive those around us. So that's my first point, perfect peace. My second point is steadfast. And going back to Isaiah 26, it says, you'll keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast. And the definition here of steadfast, it's firmly fixed in place or immovable. And for those of you that follow me online, you'll know that this year I've taken up whitewater kayaking partly due to furlough, having a little bit of extra time. I've taken it up as a, a bit of a hobby. And I must admit, when I took up this sport, I thought it's just going to be bombing down rivers as fast as I possibly can. That's what I thought I was signing up for. However, there is a bit more technique to that than what I first expected because there's a lot of time being spent, actually, before you get to a rapid, getting out of your boat and scouting out the river ahead. And the reason for that, and I've got a picture up here, uh, this is Bala Mill Falls in North Wales. Quite often when you're in your boat and you're at water level, if there's a bit of a drop or a bit of a rapid or a waterfall up ahead, you can't always see over that rapid. So what you do, you get out your boat and you have a, a, a vantage point and you look out at where you're going to be going. The reason for that is if you were to just look before you leap, there could, be a, there could be obstructions there. There could be a rock in the way that you could slam into. There could be a, rock, a, a tree that you might get caught in. So we get out of our boats and we have a, a recce and we, we scout out the rapid. And what we're looking for, crucially, we're looking out for a focal point. We're looking out for a, an object that is immovable that we can fix our eyes on. 
And what we then do when we get back into our boats and we start approaching that rapid and it starts speeding up, we're looking out for that focal point. We're looking out for that one thing that we can focus on. And we know as long as we go in that direction, as long as I keep going in that line, I know that I'm going to be safe. And you can see there's actually a a, a tree hanging over uh, that particular rapid. And and that's something that we aim for because we know the rocks and the shapes of them. You can get down there safely. And the reason why I tell you this is because we can do something very similar within our spiritual walks. Because just like when we're kayaking, we need to be steadfast. We need to look at that point and not get distracted by anything that's going on around us. In the same way, when we go through trials and difficulties in our lives, they have the potential to steal our peace. Let's be real. You know, things that life can throw us, they can shake us, and for good reason. But when we go through trials and when we go through difficulties in our lives, we we can acknowledge them. We can say, okay, I can see that there. I I recognize that it's there, but we're not going to dwell on that because we've got a focus point. We know where we're going. We know what we're aiming for. We know what we're heading to. And we need to look for those focal points in our lives. Unfortunately, it's not a tree branch. It's Jesus. And we can focus on Jesus and we can look at him. But in these occasions, in these seasons of life, we need to learn to be steadfast and learn to have that quiet confidence. And it can be a picture of our lives. We've seen it through the pandemic. Who saw that coming? You know, things come in life that come left field and and surprise us. It can be so many things. It could be the loss of a job, a sickness within a family, just unexpected things that come along that can, if we're not careful, can shake us. But when we're steadfast... When we have something to focus on, it can get us through those storms. And actually, the Bible's quite honest. It's quite open. Again, going back to the manual, it says you will face trials in this life. It doesn't say come to Jesus and everything's going to be fine. It's it's actually the opposite. Come to Jesus, you're probably actually going to face a bit more trials than maybe you wouldn't have done if you hadn't. So what does it look to be steadfast? And this is an absolute crucial passage if you like your teaching this this next scripture is for you it's out of philippians chapter 4 verse 6 to 8 but this is the key this is the absolute fundamentals of receiving peace within your life it says don't worry about anything instead pray about everything tell god what you need and thank him for all he's done then you will experience god's peace which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So let's break this down a little bit and we can leave that scripture up there as we go through. So first of all, don't worry about anything. Wow, what a command. Just for a moment, just think about it. Never worry about anything ever again. Now, in reflection, that's probably not the best thing because if we've never worried about anything, bins would never get emptied someone else can worry about that I'm not worried about that and the great thing about this passage it's in balance so it says don't worry about anything what does it say second of all pray about everything so on one hand I'm not worrying anymore but on the other hand I'm going to start praying a lot more you see there's a balance there and when it says pray about everything that's saying to me nothing is too small to pray about Nothing is insignificant. And actually, nothing's too big either. Because God's got it. Tell God what you need. He's a father that cares. 
I've recently become a, a father myself, and I'm attentive to my son. Like, if he makes any little noises, any little winces, like, I'm attentive, I'm listening, I'm, I'm looking out for him. And in the same way, God is attentive to us. So when we bring our worries and our concerns, and when we bring them in prayer, God listens and cares. So we've, we've worried a little bit, and we've given it to God, we've prayed about it. What's next? Thank him for what he's done. We go to worship, that posture of worship. And then, when we've done all of that, we experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. It exceeds anything we can understand. It doesn't make sense. We come to God with our bag of worries. And in return, we get peace. It makes no sense. Surely, if we care about it, we keep worrying about it. No, God says, bring it to me. Leave it at the cross. I'll deal with it. I've got this. (laughs) When we've done that, we experience the peace that passes understanding. It doesn't make any sense. And actually, we'll still go through storms. We'll still go through storms, but we can experience peace while going through the storms. And that passage in Philippians, it doesn't stop there. It goes on to say, now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. It's always good. One more final thing. Fix your thoughts. Again, steadfast. Fix. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all that you've learned and received from me. Everything you heard and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. Fix your thoughts. Be steadfast. So how can we do that? How can we fill our minds with things that inspire worship? Well, over the last few weeks, we've had some great examples of the promises of God. Remind yourself of those. We so easily forget. Remind the promise of inheritance, the promise of provision, the promise of grace, the promise of peace. Remind yourselves of those things. Great way to attend prayer meetings. Nothing quite centers you like coming along to a prayer meeting because you kind of come in like your day and then you leave that and it's like, okay, I'm going to focus on something else now. I'm going to steadfast my mind on something else other than what is going on in my world. In September, we're starting a new material within small groups called The Elimination of Hurry. It's a book that will become available and you can go and read. But that's all about having peace within our lives. By joining a small group is a great way of getting around people who can, can help you on that journey, can help you in the storms of life, but also can help center you and keep you steadfast on God's word. The Holy Spirit himself, the fruit of peace, it is, is who he is, it's his very nature. So let's be a people who are steadfast, who are immovable, but also have a quiet confidence as well. So the last part of Isaiah 26.3 It goes on to say, you'll keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Our peace comes from trusting God. It comes from believing that God is in control. It's believing that he is above and over all things. And ultimately, it's about submitting our lives to God's will. 
even when they don't go the way that we were expecting. It's still saying, God, even though I'm in this situation, even though it's not what I expected, I'm still going to trust you in this storm. I'm still going to trust you in this season of my life because I'm steadfast, I'm focused on you, and because I trust you, because I know that you're a loving father. And it's a lesson that I've had to learn throughout my own life within so many areas, personally, within work, of learning, of trusting God. When those feelings of worry, when those feelings of anxiety come along, recognizing them, it's the rapid, it's there to recognize it and actually, I'm not going to focus on that. That's a little alarm bell to actually start saying, okay, I need to be steadfast. I need to re- refocus. I'm looking, I'm looking in the distance. Where, where do I need to be looking? And really, to summarize, I want to read out a a story and an account that I'm sure is very familiar to many of you. And it's out of uh, Matthew 14, 22 to 33. And it's where Jesus tells the disciples to go to the other side of the lake. And we're going to pick it up in verse 24. It says, meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land. For a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting the heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came towards them walking on the water. And when he saw the disciples, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage, I am here. Then Peter called out to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus says. This morning he's saying yes. Come walk on the water. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. Wow. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. And Jesus said, why did you doubt me? And if you know the story, he takes him out of that situation. But first of all, Jesus says there, don't be afraid. Take courage. I am here. For some of you, I think you need to hear this morning. Don't be afraid. Take courage. Jesus is here. And what does Jesus being here bring? Brings peace. Does it stop the storm? Sometimes. Sure, sometimes Jesus calms the storm. But sometimes he invites us to walk through the storm. He invites us out of the boat. He invites us to walk on the waves. Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. Peter had an intimate relationship with Jesus. He'd spent a significant few years with him. He'd seen Jesus perform miracles and he learned that he could trust Jesus. So much so that if Jesus said to him, come, come, walk on the water, that he could do it. In the same way, we have a similar invitation. Just take a moment. I'm sure as I've been talking this morning that believe in the Holy Spirit's been bringing things up in your life, things and up some of the different areas that cause that turmoil and cause those storms. And I want to give you an opportunity to give them to Jesus this morning. And I just want to put up the few points we could put them up please Harry first of all what do we do when we're feeling worried what do we do when we're feeling stressed what do we do when we're feeling anxious first of all don't worry about anything second of all pray about everything 
No, nothing too big, nothing too small. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he's done. When you do those things, what happens? We will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. So just to close this morning, I'm, I'm going to pray and I'm just going to invite the, the band to come up and get ready. So if you just want to close your eyes where you are. Holy Spirit, we thank you that, that you have been here with us this morning, that you've been listening in, you've been reading our hearts, you know where each of us are at individually. And Jesus, this morning we make that conscious decision to bring our worries to you, to leave them at the foot of the cross, trusting that you are a good father and that you will deal with them. And Holy Spirit, we invite you to allow that that fruit of peace to blossom in our lives, for it to take root and produce that peace in our lives, that we would be kept in constant peace. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for that work that you've started within us, and we pray that as we go out into our weeks, as we go back and we face the storms potentially once again, knowing that you are calling us, you're calling us out of the boat to walk on the water. Thank you, Jesus, that we are never alone, but you, you are there with us in the storm, that you walk alongside us. We give you all the praise, we give you all the glory. We thank you. Amen. Amen.